As you listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. just really praying and believing. When we sat down and we looked at this month and we talked about praying it forward and we talked about the importance of prayer and conveying that to the church, our desire in teaching any kind of series is that it gets a hold of you. We want prayer to become such a part of your life. We want you to understand the power that's available to your life through prayer. And that's why tonight I want to talk about prayer, the perfect fit. Prayer is the perfect fit for your life. No matter how long you've been saved, uh, where you're in your walk with God, prayer is the perfect fit for each one of your lives. And really excited about Sunday. Let me give you a sneak preview. I believe it's Luke 11. The disciples come to Jesus and they said these words, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. And on Sunday, we're going to ask God, each one of us, God, teach me how to to pray. And it's just going to be wonderful as we look at that because there are principles of prayer. And what I mean by that, there are principles, things that each one of us need to abide by, if you want to say that, or guidelines to prayer. But then when it comes to the method and the means by which each one of us pray, I believe God wants to teach us individually what works best for our lives. Because we can look at someone who's maybe praying for six hours a day. I'm telling you right now, I cannot pray for six hours a day. I'll fall asleep. I'll lose attention. I struggle just to sit and pray. I have to be up, walking, engaged, going. Why? Because my mind's crazy. My mind goes every which way, never stops. It keeps going. So I've had to develop, and and with the help of God, develop a prayer life that suits me and in my life. And I can't look at Robert and say, well, he's got a greater prayer life than me because he can lay on his face for two hours and weep and cry. That doesn't mean he just has a different prayer life to me. And so on Sunday, we're going to be asking God to teach us how to pray, how we can live that prayer life that God has for each one of our lives and not make excuses anymore or not wish to be like someone else anymore, but be who God wants us to be and be the unique person that God wants us. So we're really excited about that. So here's what I want to talk about tonight. Prayer, the perfect fit. But here's the problem, I think, when we think about prayer and our lives fitting into or around prayer, here's where we find ourselves many times. Are you ready? We want to fit our lives, or listen, let me say it this way. It's time that we fit our lives into prayer and not prayer into our lives. Okay, I want you to catch that. I'm going to say that again. Someone got it and said it's good. A couple of people are nodding. Okay, It's time that we fit our lives into prayer and not prayer into our lives. And let me explain that. If we're trying to fit 
prayer into our lives or if we're trying to fit anything else into our lives, what does it have to compete with? Everything else. Come on, it has to compete with the kids have got to be at school. We've got ball games. The house has got to be cleaned. We've got to go to work. We've got to go to the grocery store. We've got to groom the dog. Got to cut the yard. We've got to, how many knows that we have got super, super busy lives? So when we're trying to fit anything into our life, guess what it has to do? It has to fall in line with everything else that we have. And unfortunately, when such as prayer we do that, guess what God gets? The leftovers. God gets the leftovers because this is important. That's important. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. So what happens is something has to be squeezed into what we already have in place. And therefore, it's the leftover. That's what God gets. And that should not be. Do you believe that for one second should be how our relationship is with God? Do you think that God should just fit into our lives? And if we have time, then God, I'll give that to you. What kind of relationship period would we have in life if that's how we treated that person? Come on, it would be a broken relationship at best. It would be struggling. Come on, it would pretty much be a dead relationship. If we're saying to someone, well, I'm so busy. If I have time, I'll make it. You can't build a marriage like that. You can't build a friendship like that. You cannot do it. But yet we want to build a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords with that. So what happens is this. If we're trying to fit prayer into our lives, it's like God is constantly eating out of the refrigerator. He's never sitting at the table and eating the meal with us. And you know what happens when someone heats up leftovers out of the refrigerator? You know what they usually tend to do? They sit on their own and eat the meal. Because everyone eats together when it's hot. But what happens if someone comes in late? Not everyone gathers around the table again, do they? And sit and eat with just that person. I wonder how many times God is just eating alone right now. And when we're crying out and saying, but God, I want you, where are you at? And God's saying, I'm at the table. But I'm not at the table with you, am I? Because you fill the table with everything else. And when it comes time with me, I'm, I'm microwaving, I'm nuking the meal and I'm sitting alone and I'm eating the leftovers. I truly believe that our priority to prayer needs to drastically change. The thought of prayer in our lives. And again, I'm not here to condemn anyone. God preached this message as he always does. He has to preach things to me before I come and speak them to you. If not, I'm being a hypocrite. So I'm sharing with you a message that God's kicked me up the backside with. I'm sharing with you a message that God's challenged me with because my priority to prayer is so wrong. When I have time, I'll fit it in. When I can try to squeeze things and adjust things. Come on, I don't want prayer to fit into my life. I want my life to fit into prayer. I want God to be the priority of my life. So I began to think, what are some of the problems that we maybe have when it comes to prayer? For some people, they struggle with this. We struggle of knowing how to. A lot of people struggle knowing how to pray. And um, I just want to share some thoughts with that. We have made, I believe, prayer so complicated. We've made it that you've got to be on your knees. We've made it that you've got to be in a church. We've made it that you've got to say certain words. We've made it that you've got to do certain things. Uh, and all, where that's never what prayer was ever intended to be. Prayer simply is this. Are you ready? Conversation with God. 
Prayer is just talking with God, hanging out like you would with your best friend. That's what prayer really was intended to be. I'm reading a book right now. It's called The Simple Prayer by Joyce Myers, The Power of a Simple Prayer. And in the very beginning, the introduction of her book, she said, someone asked me this. And she said that many people had asked her this question. And here's the question. If you could make one comment about prayer, what would it be? And I thought about that. If I, could, if, if I only had one comment to mention about prayer, what would it be? I think the word that I would say would be powerful. Life-changing. Um, dynamic. You know, you could go through the list of what prayer is. And she said, if I only had one comment of what I would say about prayer, I would say this, simplicity. I loved that. I thought, wow, how true. Just the simplicity of prayer. Because God desires our prayer lives to be natural and enjoyable. Think about that. For us to enjoy to pray. Do you know to most people, if you were to poll most people, they would say prayer's a chore. It's a chore to pray. I've got to find time, I've got to do this. It was created to be natural and it was created to be enjoyable. Listen to this. I believe prayer was created to be the easiest thing that you and I can do each and every day of our lives. So how do I pray? It's not complicated. It's hard. It's something that each one of us can easily do in our own way. And we're going to talk about that on Sunday. Teach us, God. Teach me how to pray. But God wants it to be simple and real. I love this scripture. You ready? Psalms 145 verse 18 says this. The Lord is near to all who call upon him. Come on, say with me, pray. God is near to all who pray, to all who call upon him. But notice the next thought. That's not a period. That's not the end. That's just taking a breath as the thought continues to all who call upon him in what? In truth. God wants us to conversate with him in truth. So what does that mean? If you're struggling with something, tell God about it. If you need something, share that with God. Be truthful and real with God. And from the youngest to the oldest, from the newest convert to the most seasoned vet, we all have the same opportunity and ability to be able to do that. What do I do? How do I pray? Just talk with God. Just tell Him how you're feeling. Tell him how your struggles. Oh, but Pastor Philip, do I have to hold my hands a certain way? Do I have to pray a certain prayer? It's very interesting that when you look at Jesus, Jesus didn't pray the same same way each and every time he laid hands or prayed for someone. Did he? At one time, someone who was blind came up to him. Jesus spat in the dirt, made mud, put it in his eyes and says, now go and wash your eyes. I mean, incredible. So that doesn't mean now that every time we pray for someone, we spit in the dirt and make mud because Jesus didn't do that every time. Sometimes Jesus said, go and show yourself. Sometimes Jesus laid hands. But what was he showing? He was showing us this, that every one of us has the ability in our own way to touch heaven. That there's not a fixed routine. You don't have to pray a certain way. It's just conversating and getting real with God. You know one of the greatest prayers that you can pray in your life is this. Oh God. Have you ever been somewhere and you just cried out, God! Or Jesus help me. A lot of people are crying out Jesus and God in the wrong way today. Taking his name in vain. 
Have you ever been in a situation that all you had that could come out of your mouth was Jesus help me or oh my God or that's a powerful prayer right there. Come on, we're here today because of that prayer. That God saved us in a moment. We didn't have time to say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Jesus! Because that car was coming straight for us. And in a miraculous intervention, God stopped it right before it got there. So what I'm trying to show each one of you is this. Don't get bogged down with religiousness. Don't get bogged down with, well, I'm not praying like them or I'm not saying the right words. Listen, if they're your words to God, they're the right words. Because he wants you to come to him in truth. Don't lie to God. Don't come to God and say, God, I've had a great day today when you know your day has absolutely stunk from beginning to end. Don't come to him and say, God, I think you're really awesome when you're ticked and mad at him. Come on, you just say, God, you know my day stunk today and I'm not really happy with you. But God, I know that you are able to give me joy in place of my sorrow. God, I know that you're able to give me that release I need. And God, I know that you love me and you forgive me. And God, I just need some of that love and I need some of that forgiveness right now. Be truthful with God. Look at your neighbor and say, keep it real. Come on, keep it real. Keep it real. So, so many times we don't know how to. I'm telling you, you know how to. Do you have to teach someone how to talk to someone else? No, it comes natural, doesn't it? You begin to talk. Talk with God. Remember that show, Different Strokes? Anyone remember that show, Different Strokes? Showing my age right now. Different Strokes when Arnold used to go on top of the bunk bed and he used to talk to God. And he'd say, hello God, it's me again. You know, this is Arnold, just in case you don't know who I am. But, you know, as fun as it was to hear that, there's nothing wrong. Hey God, it's Susan again. Do you remember me? And oh my God, he remembers you. But just talk with God. Don't get bogged down. Enjoy the naturalness of it, the simplicity of it. Just hanging out with God and just talking like you would your best friend. Okay? So, so a lot of people, they don't know how to. Uh, second thing is they don't know what to pray. What do I pray? What do I ask for? Well, here's what I would say. What's on your heart? What's in your heart? How are you feeling? What are you facing? What do you need help with? What do you need direction in? What do you need direction with? What do you need advice about? What do you need comfort about? Can you see how prayer wants to be involved in every area of our life? So how do I pray? Just be real with God. What do I pray? What do you need? Share that with God. Just be open with Him. Here's a third reason. Are you ready? Well, I don't have time to pray. How do I? What do I? When can I almost? So a lot of the time we can look and say, well, I just don't have time. The reality is we have all the time that we need if it becomes a priority to us. Because you can say right now, I don't have time. But if someone came up to you and said, I've got tickets for this latest movie or I've got tickets to go to this concert or I've got tickets for you to go out to have a meal. Oh, we can sure find time to accommodate that. We can push our schedule back. We can go to bed a little bit later. Even though we were scheduled to go to bed at eight o'clock, we can push that back a little bit. Because why? Because I want to do. Oh, notice I want to do that. It's not a case that we don't have time. It's a case, really, that we just don't want to use that time in giving it to God. 
And we need to give the attention to it. When Paul is talking about the people in Rome, and he's saying this in reference to them as he's thinking about them in the book of Romans, he says this in Romans chapter 1, verse 9. He says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Notice what Paul is saying here. He's longing to be with them, but since he cannot be with them, he's saying that without ceasing, meaning continuously throughout each and every day, what is he saying? I'm making mention of you. I'm praying for you. I'm asking God to bless your life. So in other words, here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, I live in an attitude of prayer. I live in an attitude of prayer towards others, believing that God's going to touch them and intervene. He's not saying, I pray without ceasing, on my knees, with my hands clenched and my eyes closed. How many knows your boss is not going to appreciate this if you do this for eight hours a day? They're not going to give you a paycheck for this. Anyone with me with this? Come on, the policeman's not going to be too happy when you're at the red light because you've got to get your 30-minute prayer in and you're sitting there with your eyes closed and your hands like this and they say, well, what are you doing? And I know this sounds so foolish and stupid, but you can't live praying like that. But you can live in an attitude that includes God into every aspect of your life. So when you walk into the cafeteria for lunch, you can be saying, thank you, God, that I've got a cafeteria I can go to and some money in my pocket that I can buy some food. And God, would you bless those that don't have any right now? When you get in your car, you can say, thank God for my car. It's maybe not the one I really want, but it's the one I have right now. And God, I thank you. Keep it running. Keep it filled up with oil. Keep the radiator going good. And most importantly, Importantly, God, keep the AC blowing. God, thank you. You see what I'm saying? We can have an attitude of prayer in our lives that each and every time that we're recognizing and we're realizing and releasing God into our lives. A life that includes God constantly through the day. Not fitting Him into my life, but me fitting into Him into prayer, into seeing those things. So don't get bogged down and say, I don't know how to. It's simple. Well, I don't know what to. Share with him what's on your heart, what you need. But I don't have time to. Oh, yes, you do. You can live in that attitude. But don't just get to that place where you say, well, pastor, I pray all day long and I have an attitude of prayer. Thank God for having an attitude of prayer. And we should have that. But also make that time where you can just get alone with God and be still too. And have that stillness and that time that you can talk to God. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But Paul says it this way in Colossians 1 verse 27. He says this, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of His mysteries amongst the Gentiles. And here's the mystery. Here's what he says. He says is this, Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ where? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Remember, we're talking about the fact of not fitting prayer into our lives, but us fitting into prayer. And here Paul is telling them in in, in Colossians, he's telling them, here's the the mystery, here's, here's the answer, here's what you need in life. And here it is, realizing Christ in you is the hope of glory. Anything and everything you need, the truth and the secret is this, having Christ inside of you. But you know what we can often come as a, uh, take a picture of that? 
We can take a picture, therefore, of Christ being shrunk down. Notice this, and him living so small inside of each one of us. Do you think that's what Paul wants us to get an image of a God who's so big and a God who's so great, who spoke and this world was created? Do you think he wants us to get the image of shrinking like, honey, I shrunk the kids. Remember that movie? And shrunk. Do you think that's the image that he's trying to tell us? Here's the mystery. Here's the greatness that shrinking God down into your. No, that's not what he means. Of course, we need him inside of us. We need God. But you know what we need? We need what? To be totally given over to Him. Totally given to God. So really what Paul is saying here is not shrinking God down just to be this little genie inside of our bottle. That any time we need something we can just rub and out comes God and He gives us whatever we desire. But what he's saying is this. If you want true strength and you want power in your life, place your whole life inside of God. Live in the expanseness and the greatness of God. Don't let him be shrunk down to your narrow thinking. Don't let him be shrunk down to your narrow faith. But you release your life into God and live in the fullness of God. Don't you love that? Allowing him to always be the center of us and everything we have in our lives revolves all around him. Not the other way around. Not God revolving around what I want, what I need, who I am, but me revolving around what He wants for my life. What He desires to give to me and what He is able to be in my life. You see, prayer must never be an afterthought of our lives. It cannot be an afterthought. But that's what, to most of us, it's become. As we try what again? To fit it into our busy schedule. We do everything else. We tell everyone else. And we look to everything else then God. Have you noticed that? Well, I went to this person and I went to that one. And then I prayed. It's almost a defeatist mentality that we say. That we went to everywhere else first and then when we couldn't find hope, help and security and blessing, then I guess I'll go to God. And I sought God. We've got to have spiritual dyslexia. Come on now. We've got to have prayer dyslexia. We've got to turn it around and not that we go to Joe Blogs first, but we go to God first. We've got to take our problems to God. The, the, the hymn that said, do we have trials and temptations? Is there troubles anywhere? What do we do? We take it to the Lord in prayer. He didn't say go to Susie and then Pete and Phil and Joey. And then if they don't go, go to the bank manager. Go to the, He said, go to me first. We need to put God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And guess what the equal sign is? All things will be added unto your life. Blessings will come. But you see, when we're fitting God into our world, we're shrinking him down. He's now having to be a part of every other thing that we have to do. He's eating the leftovers and then prayer becomes an afterthought. Don't ever let prayer be your last stand. And your last resort needs to be your first stand. Needs to be what you build your life upon. Because when we turn to God as our last resort, you know what we're really saying is this, God, I don't have confidence in you. I don't think you can answer my prayer. Now, we would turn around and say, that's not true. I know God. Well, if that's not true, then why do you do it? Do you notice we do a lot of things that we say, 
Well, that's not really what I mean by that. Come on. Have you ever talked with someone and you're correcting them and they say these words, I know, I know, I know. No, you don't know because if you did know, come on, help me out. Because if you did know, or son, if you do know, I'm really going to whip your tail now because at least I thought you didn't know. Come on, I know. No, you don't know. Yeah, I know. No, you don't know. But how many times spiritually are we like that when it comes to prayer? Oh, I know that I've got to give it to God. No, you don't, because if you did, you would do it. And the real reason is this, because we don't have a confidence in God. I'm telling you, that's the problem. We lack confidence with God. We think we've got to help Him. We think He can't do it in ways that we want Him to do. So we've got to do things. Come on, we need a great confidence in God. Can I give you a scripture showing the confidence we can have in God? Look at this. When it comes to prayer, Matthew 17, verse 20, Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say unto you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, say really small, A mustard seed is one of the smallest seeds you can get. So Jesus said, if you can have faith with something that's the smallest thing that you can almost hold between your fingers, Jesus said, you can speak to the biggest things. Come on, say with me, the biggest things. Come on, what mountains do you have in your life? What adversities, what trials do you have in your life? Jesus said, the smallest faith can move the biggest things. Come on, the smallest confidence and trust. Come on, I'm preaching to you tonight. The smallest confidence that we could have can move the greatest obstacles in our life. And he says, you not only can move them, but you can command them to go from here to there and wherever they need to go. And guess what? And they will have to move. Why? Because nothing is impossible for who? For you. It says we know nothing's impossible with God, but when we put our faith and we trust in Him, guess what? Now it becomes what? It's fully possible for us too. Notice why it's fully possible for us? Not because we're taking God into our lives, but what we've planted our lives into God. We're not fitting God into our schedule. We're saying, God, I want to be a part of what your plan and purpose is for my life. But what a confidence there in that scripture that the smallest faith can move the biggest mountain. That I can have a confidence. Oh, but that's easy for you to say because you're a minister and, and God loves you more than me. Really? Show me chapter and verse for that. Come on, God loves the whosoever. While we were dead in our trespasses and sins, Christ died for us. That's what his word says. That's quoting out of the word of God. While we were dead in our trespasses and sins. You know what that means? While we were the worst, most obnoxious, the awfulest, the most sinful person on the face of this earth. You know what it says? Christ died for us. Christ dying is the greatest act of love this world has ever known. So while you were the still the worst of the worst, God loved you with the most by giving his life. So don't tell me that now since you're a Christian and you're giving your life to Christ, that you've digressed in that love. Come on, greater love has no man than this, than the love that God has for each one of our lives. And I'm telling you, that verse applies to each one of us if we'll just have a confidence in God. I began to think about this, that how do I build confidence in someone? Have you ever thought about that? How do I build confidence in someone? Pastor, if you're talking about having a confidence in God, I, I just don't know. How can I build a confidence with God? 
Let me give you three things right now. And really, there can be four, there can be five, there can be a hundred, really. Let me give you three things right now. If you're going to build confidence in someone, number one, you've got to choose the right person. Come on, you've got to choose the right person. Think about this. If I'm looking for someone that I can have in confidence that's going to do the right job for me, I've got to pick the right person to do the job. Amen? Anyone with me in the natural? I can't just throw anyone in there and just hope that they're going to do it. That's why we have resumes. That's why people fill out. They have job skills. They have abilities and stuff. Why? Because if I want to build confidence in Molly, it would be foolish for me to put her in a place where I'm destined her to fail. But I can put her in a place with her strengths that I can have confidence in her ability and who she is. So I've got to choose the right person. I can look at track records. Track records are good when it comes. Look who people have been around. What are other people saying about them? Now, you can't always go on what other people are saying because some people can have issues with each other. Some people can have differences with each other. So you can't always go on the words of one. But the Bible says in the multitude of in the multitude of counselors, there's wisdom. So if one person's saying one thing, stop and take note. But if four people are saying the same thing, then you realize there's probably some truth in the matter. So you've got to consider the person. But here's what you do. In choosing the right person, what do you do? You look at their character. The world promotes talent. God promotes character. Come on, you can read that in David. Man, I wish I could preach this more tonight. But you can hear that in David. Eliab was head and shoulders above everyone else. He was mighty. God said, that's not my choice. Samuel said, but why not? He is awesome. Have you seen him, God? God says, I don't look as man sees. I don't see the talent. I don't see the outward. I don't see the abilities. God says, I see the what? The heart. That's your character, who you are when no one else is looking. So if I'm going to have confidence in someone, I've got to find someone with character. Anyone with me with that? I've got to find someone who is who they say they are constantly in their life. Come on. They're not given an image of something and then being something completely different. And I want to tell you right now, there is no one that I know on the face of this earth that has a greater track record and then a greater character than God himself. God has never let anyone go down on his watch. Come on, God has never forsaken anyone in their time of need. God has never left them alone. God has always been there with them. So if I'm going to look for the right person to have confidence in, I can surely tell you right now that person is God. Come on, I can have confidence in God. He's not going to let me go down. Second thing in building confidence is after you've found the right person, the second thing is you've got to spend time with that person. You've got to spend time with them. You've got to get to know them. But listen to this. Not only do you get to know them, but you also need to let them know you. Come on, in a relationship, Kelly and I are dating. Our conversations every day weren't just about me, that I like this, I, I want to do this, and I want to be this, and I want to be that. And how many knows you're not going to have much of a relationship if it's just one-sided? So what is it? Yes, I open up and let her know who I am. But in return, I want her to open up and let me know who she is. Can you see? Here's something so powerful about prayer. Prayer isn't just telling God what you need. Prayer is listening for God to tell you what he wants to give your life to. So how do I build confidence? Find the right person. God's that. And secondly, spend time with God. 
Spend time with God. Build relationship. And as I said, prayer is both speaking and listening. Time will build confidence. As you're around someone for more, you'll get more confident with them. And I'm telling you this right now, there is probably nothing right now that I could say, and I still have to remind myself of this, but there's nothing that I could ever say that God hasn't done for my life. God's done it. And as I spend time with God and I get to know Him more and I get to know more of Him, I get to see Him working in my life. And what does that do? It builds confidence in Him. So here's the third thing. You ready? Number one, you've got to choose the right person. Number two, you've got to spend time with that person. Number three, are you ready? You've got to be willing to give trust. You've got to be willing to give trust. Your hurts must be a thing of the past. I remember once in my office sitting down with a couple and not to go into detail but this was a number of years ago and I remember sitting down with this couple and I can't even remember everything that had happened but in the result of their marriage the husband had been unfaithful. They were still together and they were still trying to work it out but there was a massive hurt that had taken place and as I sat there talking with them and just listening to them and trying to help them. I remember the wife saying these words. She said these words. She said, I will never let him in again. I will never let him in again. I will never give him the opportunity to ever be able to hurt me again. You know what I said to them? I said, if that is your response to this situation, I'm telling you, no matter who you are, And no matter what relationship you're in, your relationship is in a doomed state if that's your response. Because if you say, I'm never going to open up and let him hurt me again, then there is no hope ever for that relationship. You see, you've got to forgive and you've got to learn to trust again. And that's what we've got to do. In order to have confidence in God, we've got to trust him with our problems. We've got to give that, oh, God will prove yourself to me. Listen, God will prove himself when you trust him with those things. And that's why number one is so important, choosing the right person. God's not going to fail you. God's not going to let you down. We preached that message a few weeks ago, talking about the wrong reality. The reason why we don't have what we need is because we're living in a world's reality and not in God's reality. He's given us all these promises that are unconditional, but yet conditional through us and what we choose to do with them. God's never going to take his offer off the table, but we've got to be in a position to receive that. So you've got to be willing to give trust. Because if you're in a relationship where you've been hurt, you know what we do? We build up walls so we'll never be hurt again. But what are those walls built for to stop hurt? But you know in reality what those walls stop? Yes, they stop hurt, but they also stop love. They also stop peace, joy, happiness. Because a wall will stop everything that it comes up against it. And what we think is protection from the other side sure looks like a prison to me. That we can put ourselves in a prison. So how do I build confidence? I've got to have it in God, the right person. I've got to spend time with God so I get to know Him, but yet He also knows me. And you know, in knowing God and Him knowing you, you discover yourself. Isn't that powerful? 
Listen to me. In knowing him and him knowing you, you discover yourself. And that's the problem many times with ourselves. We don't discover it. We don't know ourselves. And we find that through. And then what do we do? We've got to give him the trust. We've got to begin to entrust our lives. And saying, God, I give this to you. Would you take this? Would you help me with this? So let me close this tonight. Let's fit our lives into prayer, not prayer into our lives. Because prayer is a lot bigger than you and your circumstances. What prayer can do is a lot bigger than you. So when we try to shrink it down, you know what we're trying to do really? We're limiting God's ability to really be able to perform on our behalf. When we try and shrink him into our lives, into our schedule, into what we think and what we want to happen, we limit the endless power of God and what he is able to do. Remember when you were small, I know some of you may still be a little small, but remember when you were small, remember when you wanted to go into your bedroom and you, you couldn't reach up to turn on the light switch? Can anyone remember that? Remember when you were small and you couldn't reach the light switch. Remember when you were small and you couldn't reach the sink? Now, that wasn't a problem, especially if you were a boy, because we didn't like washing our hands when we were kids anyway, so that was a good excuse. But remember when you, you couldn't even reach up to turn the taps on because you couldn't reach up? Remember when you couldn't reach the cabinets to get into the cereal, to get into the place where the cups were and the bowls were and the food was? Remember that. Come on, help me. Can you remember that as a kid? Can you remember being turned away from the roller coaster because when you stood up to the thing, you weren't tall enough to ride the ride? And you remembered, oh man, one day I want to be tall enough because I want to do that. Remember when you were so small you had to sit in a special seat in the car because you couldn't sit because you couldn't even see out of the windows. And you had to have a special harness and you had to have all these things. When you realize that and you look at how you were when you were small, you would have to realize and say this, there were a lot of restrictions that I had upon me then. There was a lot of things I couldn't do. But what did I have to do? I had to learn how to adapt. They came up with those special switches now where you can pull the toggles and it moves the light switch. They've got stools now so you can step up at the sink. They've got so many other things now that you can adapt. So what do we do? We learn to adapt in our lives. And if we couldn't live with the circumstances and the situations, we asked for help. Can you get me this? Can you get me that? But I want to tell you something right now. That's not God's intent for our lives. God doesn't want us to live small and have to adapt to that way of living. God doesn't want our prayers to be small, so he has to be adapted down to where we're living. God want, doesn't want us to be in a place where we are limited because of our smallness and our ability to be able to do those things. Come on, God doesn't want us to have small faith. Oh, you're contradicting yourself because you said if you had a mustard seed. Now I'm talking about the fact that we don't trust him with our lives. God doesn't want us to live small like that. God doesn't want us to have a small relationship with him. Come on, God doesn't want us to have small trust and small love. But God wants us to what? Grow in him. How do we grow in God? By getting out of ourselves and putting ourselves in him. 
by not trying to get him to fit into us, into our box and into our lives, but yet for us to live within his great expanse and his greatness. And I'm telling you, one of the greatest ways we can live in the expanse of God is through prayer. And I'm telling you, prayer is the perfect fit for your life. As your life fits perfectly into him. Don't limit God. Release God. Come on, release your life into him. Build that confidence in him. Hang out with God. Talk with God. Pray with God. Release him into your world. And be a part of what he wants to do. Come on, I don't want to fit things into me. I want me to be in God. Come on, I want me to be in God. I want to see my life grow. I want to see my happiness grow, my fulfillment grow. All these things. And you know where that comes? Through placing everything in God. So I just want to challenge you tonight. Prayer is the perfect fit, but not to fit into you, but for you to fit into it. As you begin to pray, believe God. Have a confidence in Him. Trust Him. Give Him that ability to be able to move in your life. And don't settle and learn to adapt. And I guess this is how I'm going to have to live for the rest of my life. What a defeatist mentality. Come on. The Bible says you're the head and not the tail. The Bible says you're above and not beneath. The Bible says you're the lender, not the borrower. Come on, the Bible says you're the one that can give and not the taker. Come on, right now. And we've got to see ourselves in that light. And how do we do that? By realizing that prayer is a perfect fit, that we can fit perfectly into what God has for our lives. Instead of trying to get God to fit perfectly into our box. Come on, I don't want to limit God to my box. I want to live in his expanse. Come on, if that's you tonight, would you stand to your feet with me tonight? Precious Jesus. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.